Welcome to the Baptist Pulpit. This podcast is designed to introduce to the audience Baptist preachers, both living currently in America or across the world, and also to introduce classic speakers, men of the past. There were Baptist preachers that have inspired men like myself for years to preach the Word of God. And they also, through their preaching, highlight Baptistic principles. Thank you for listening to the Baptist Pulpit. Our featured speaker for today is Dr. David Sorensen. Dr. Sorensen uh, retired as pastor after 27 years uh, pastoring North Star Baptist Church in Duluth, Minnesota. He started the church in 1989 after uh, pastoring in, in Florida, uh, also being an assistant for his father in Peking, Illinois. He's a respected author and speaker on a wide range of topics, uh, especially on the King James Version of the Bible. His books include Touch Not the Unclean Thing, God's Perfect Book, Training Your Children to Turn Out Right, Have a Heavenly Marriage, and he has other books out there. He has a full commentary on the Bible. You can look those up on North Star Ministries, North Star Ministries. Pray that the message will be a blessing to you as you listen to it on the Baptist pulpit today. I come to you from North Star Baptist Church in Duluth, Minnesota, Duluth is the People's Republic of Duluth, by the way. Uh, Liberal land, lovers of Barack and Hillary. And uh, in fact, in in, I think it was the, uh, one of the elections of Obama, he he had a higher percentage of vote in St. Louis County than any other county in the United States. And uh, so Duluth, Minnesota is and has been a North American mission field. But uh, it's been a blessing there in, in starting the church and building it over these years. Uh, I'll add two commercials here. I brought with me uh, today my, my new book. It's called The Majesty of the Psalms. I wanted to call it The Treasury of David, but that title's already taken. <laughs> but uh, this came out last Wednesday, so you know it's, it's, it's still hot off the press. And... Uh, if you don't like it, otherwise, just the cover's neat. You know, it's got a pretty cover on it. But uh, that's on the table out there. And I'll, I'll be here till about noon tomorrow. And uh, so uh, if you'd like any of the books there, there. I guess another commercial, uh, Lord willing, uh, the, the plan and the intention is that I'll be retiring from the pastorate uh, at the end of June next year. And... Uh, Lord willing, my associate will will be assuming the leadership of the church. But we plan to do more in Bible conferences thereafter. So I'm putting in a commercial here. Um, If you'd like to have me in for a Bible conference in the future, I love to preach on the Psalms. And uh, so that's one of the things that we focus on. Uh, I'm preaching this afternoon on a pre-tribulation rapture. Now, I like, I, probably the most of you, 
uh, grew up in a church that just assumed a pre-tribulation rapture. My dad was a, a fundamentalist, a dispensationalist, a, a pre-trib man. I just took that for granted. I went to co- uh, Fundamental Baptist College, the old Pillsbury Baptist Bible College, which of course no longer is, but the, the doctrinal position of that college was pre-trib uh, uh, dispensational pre-mill, and I just assumed that position. Went to uh, Central Seminary when it, in fact, was a fundamentalist seminary. They, they call themselves that yet, but I think it's suspect today. Hate to say that. And uh, Pensacola Theological Seminary, and all these places were pre-trib, pre-mill, dispensational in their theology. And lest you get nervous, that is what my position is. But what I'm saying is that I never had to defend that. I went to churches and colleges where that was just the assumption. Everybody, every preacher I ever listened to, every Bible-believing Christian I ever knew believed in a pre-tribulation rapture. Well, about 20-some years ago, came up with the, the, the big deal idea of let's have a public Bible study downtown in a, a restaurant uh, Duluth has a substantial uh, downtown district, a lot of offices, all the way from uh, lawyers to governmental, a lot of governmental stuff. Uh, they, I think with the, the medical district, I've heard that something like ten or 20,000 people work in downtown Duluth. Uh, so, hey, let's have a Bible study, and we advertised it. And the whole idea was to try and entice some unsafe people to show up. Well, it didn't turn out that way. The people who came were people from evangelical churches in the, in the Duluth area, and it wasn't a huge Bible study, but we'd have half a dozen, maybe sometimes ten people come to that noon hour Bible study in a little, little cafe restaurant. And one day one of the ladies said, if there's a rapture and if, you know, we're not sure if it's a pre-tribulation. Wow, I'd never heard that before. Educated people. Her husband had a Ph.D., and, and they went to a prominent evangelical church there in, in Duluth. And I had to start defending a pre-tribulation rapture. I'd never had to do that in my life. And then I had a fellow in my church, uh, oh, 15 years ago, came from a church that was pastored by a, a man from Central Seminary, and what I didn't know is that this fellow had been indoctrinated in, shall we say, neo-reformed Calvinistic theology, just as Brother Stringer preached uh, earlier this afternoon. I didn't realize that. And one day he said, you know, I've got a friend who's not sure about when, when, when the rapture is. Well, he wasn't being honest with me. He was talking about himself. But he said, I have a friend uh, who's not sure of when the rapture is going to be, and could you talk to me about that? And so I gave him some uh, theological uh, uh, arguments as to why there's a pre-tribulation rapture. I didn't convince him. And then, more recently, I've, I've had a man in our church, there, he and his, his good wife are not members, they're, they're good people, and... Uh, they attend regularly. He got saved in a Baptist General Conference church in, in the area. And I don't know if you have a lot of those around here, but they're, they're big up in that part of the world. It's, it's the Swedish Baptists. And uh, for at least the last 
50 years, that group has been new evangelical, to put it mildly. But uh, he got saved in that church and then uh, for a, a few years went to an Assemblies of God church and then to another Baptist General Conference church and finally landed on our doorstep, largely because of his wife, because she, she was from a fundamentalist background. And uh, he, he quickly made it known that he wasn't sure about a pre-tribulation rapture. And uh, in fact, he, he wasn't obnoxious about it or argumentative about it or trying to sow discord, but he just, he'd say, uh, you know, I'm not sure when the rapture is. And, uh, and so we'd talk about it, uh, uh, you know, whether it's a pre-trib or mid-trib or post-trib. He said, Pastor, I am pan-trib. And what he meant by that, and in fact he told me, he said, I believe it'll all pan out. Jesus is going to come back and it'll all pan out. Well, folks, that's a complete cop-out. I, I later learned that the, the guy who coined that little phrase was none other than our good buddy, John Piper. Again, neo-Calvinist, neo-reformed. And of course, as you know, reformed theology tends to be amillennial. And uh, uh, if they believe in a rapture, most of them don't even believe in a rapture, but if they do, they think it's at the end of the tribulation, which makes no sense. You're going up and coming right back down with, with Jesus. Uh, of course, again, they don't believe in a literal millennium, so I guess that would fit their theology. But I have had people in, in recent years say to me, well, uh, Brother Sorensen, don't you know that a pre-tribulation rapture was invented by John Darby in 1830. John Darby, of course, Plymouth Brethren. And it was popularized by C.I. Schofield in the Schofield Reference Bible. Uh, this, the disclaimer is I have a Schofield Reference Bible here in my hand. Uh, now, it's true that Darby promoted a pre-tribulation rapture and in distinction to the Catholic Church, which is amillennial, and most Protestant churches, Lutherans and, and Presbyterians, tend to be amillennial. And here's Darby preaching a pre-tribulation rapture. Ryan, this guy is really wacko. Radical theology. Well, here's another disclaimer. I've never read John Darby, folks. And I don't altogether agree with C.I. Schofield's notes. But Schofield didn't invent a, a pre-tribulation rapture. And, and the people who attack Schofield, and if you go online, you go on the internet, and, and you Google C.I. Schofield, you'll find some virulent attacks against Schofield. Even attacking his, his integrity and his moral character. But here on the, the, uh, the introductory page of, of the Schofield Reference Bible, uh, you'll notice some of the other theologians uh, uh, Dr. Henry Westron, Dr. James Gray, Dr. William Erdman, Dr. A.T. Pearson, Dr. Uh, uh, Moorhead, Dr. Elwood Harris, some of these men I don't know, Dr. Arnold Gableine, Dr. William Pettengill. These were some of the leading Bible-believing theologians at the turn of the 20th century. Great men of, of theological stature. It wasn't just C.I. Schofield who popularized or promoted a pre-tribulation rapture. But rather, a pre-tribulation rapture is based upon the word of God. 
And we're going to look at that here this afternoon. Yes, Schofield believed it. Yes, Darby believed it. But I don't believe, uh, base my, my theology upon John Darby or even C.I. Schofield. Now, several thoughts here today. And uh, let's read, uh, if you will, please, in Revelation chapter 22. I guess I just sprang that on you. But Revelation chapter 22, which, as you know, is the final chapter in the Word of God, the final chapter of revealed written revelation, and frankly, the final sayings of Jesus Christ prior, well, since his ascension, I should say. Notice here in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 7, Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And then notice with me also in verse 20, He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The last chapter in the word of God, very clearly teaches the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Let's bow for prayer. Father, this morning or this afternoon as we would look at this simple thought and yet a profoundly important thought, Father, a thought that is in much confusion today and challenged today. Our Father, may our doctrine be grounded on the Word of God and not on tradition, not on what uh, our alma mater taught or the church in which we grew up taught, but Father, May our convictions be based upon the word of God. And bless in these moments this afternoon, I ask in Jesus' name, amen. The return of Jesus Christ is one of the most basic teachings in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 1, in fact, let's turn there, if you will, please, just for a moment. Acts chapter 1, Jesus very clearly, the angels, I should say rather, very clearly foretold his return. Acts chapter 1 and verse 9, and and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up from him, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by him in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. This same Jesus shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. Jesus is coming again. What a blessed thought. It's our blessed hope. The return of our Savior. In fact, there are more prophetic references to the second coming of Christ in the Bible than there are to his first coming. And I would like to just take a few moments this afternoon, and, and I, I honestly believe this will not be a long message, but, but look at several thoughts here today on why the rapture is before the tribulation. First of all, this afternoon, his coming is foretold. There are scores of references throughout the Word of God foretelling the second coming of Jesus Christ. I think that's a given. I don't think anyone disputes that. But let's just look at seven to begin with here this afternoon. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 27, Jesus said, For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, 
so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. As the lightning shineth uh, even unto the west, out of the west, out of the east, and even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Uh, clearly foretold, there is the coming of our Jesus Christ. And by the way, it's likened unto the lightning. And as we're going to see here, the return of Christ will be suddenly. And that very clearly bespeaks a imminent return of Christ. And if the, if the return of Christ is imminent, brethren, uh, the, the rapture is also imminent. As I drove down here this afternoon, I, I suppose west of Madison and approaching Milwaukee, there were thunder showers. And every now and then I would see a flicker of lightning across the sky. It was suddenly. And that's how our Lord is returning. Suddenly. For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 5, we read, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. Until the Lord come. Jesus is coming again. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 7, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed. Once again, scripture clearly foretells the coming of Jesus Christ. Once again. He is going to come like the lightning. He is going to be revealed from heaven. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day that will be. Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 and verse 1 says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. The return of Christ and the rapture there in verse 1. But the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul besought the church at Thessalonica, or Thessalonica, I, I think the Greeks pronounce it Thessalonica. But he besought them by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming again, praise God. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 14 says, Thou shalt, rather, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. Now, my father, who pastored for almost 50 years, and incidentally, the, the, the book for the long sign uh, alluded to, mentioned, uh, was actually about my father's philosophy of pastoring. And after he died, uh, it was the catalyst in my mind to sit down and write that book. And I have adopted most of my father's philosophies, but it was his way of, of pastoring people. And he was called a pastor's pastor. And he loved his people, but I digress. Dad got saved uh, in 1935, and he, he surrendered to preach and was preaching uh, in the late 1930s. 
and went off to the old Northwestern uh, Bible College in Minneapolis when W.B. Riley was still there, sat at the feet of W.B. Riley, and uh, became uh, his first official full-time pastorate at the First Baptist Church in Stillwater, Minnesota in 1944 during World War II. W.B. Riley had called Dad into his office and said, Henry, the, the pulpit at First Baptist Church in Stillwater is open. Would you be interested? And he said, yes. And became the pastor of that church. It's still there, though. It's no longer called First Baptist, and I think it's some kind of community church now or whatever, unfortunately. Um, but Dad grew up in the era, uh, grew in the ministry, I should say, in that era after World War II. I was born in 1946 in Stillwater. And as you know, at the end of World War II, it began the atomic age and the, the dropping of the atomic bombs, which has been in the news just uh, in this last week. And then in 1948 was the, the reconstituting of the, the state of Israel as a, a sovereign independent state, incidentally, for the first time since the time of Daniel. Uh, and all these things caused eschatology to be on the horizon. And my father firmly believed that uh, he would see the return of Jesus before he died. He died in 1996. He's been gone almost 20 years now. But there, there was much preaching in those years. I don't know what the atomic bomb exactly had to do with it, but, but I think it colored the, the mentality of the culture. And really, I really do. It was the atomic age, and things were happening. Things were changing. Uh, I, uh, as a hobby, I haven't done much of this in recent years, but I have over the years been a very, very much a student of World War II. And it profoundly changed this nation internally. But one of the things that, that, that arose after World War II was a resurgence of preaching on the return of Christ. Israel was back in the land, which, of course, bolstered a, pre, uh, a, a rather a dispensational theological position. And there was much preaching on the rapture and the return of Christ in the 1950s and the 1960s, and I know that because I sat under it. Well, I must confess, uh, as a pastor, I probably don't preach on it as much as my dad did. And I think there's been a dearth of, of preaching on the return of Jesus Christ in recent years, in recent decades. The world has simmered down and settled down, and, and uh, the, the, the birth of Israel has come, and we've seen the, the amazing wars that, that I think God has providentially helped them win, the 67 war, the 73 war, the 53 war. Uh, and Jesus hasn't come back yet. And there hasn't been as much preaching on the return of Christ. And yet it's very clearly taught in the word of God. James chapter 5 verse 7. Be patient therefore brethren out of the coming of the Lord. He's coming again. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 20. We read it here a moment ago. He which testifieth these things saith surely I come quickly. I come quickly. And I'll touch more on this in just a moment. But that word quickly doesn't bespeak when he is going to come, but rather how he is going to come. And 
the thought in that word quickly, in the original language, lends itself also to the idea of suddenly. I come quickly. Or, if you will, I am coming suddenly. And that leads me to my next thought here this afternoon, and that is that his coming is imminent. His coming is imminent. Imminency implies that nothing needs to be fulfilled for him to appear. Now, oh, about 20 years ago, I'm not exactly sure on the date, but you'll recall that Marv Rosenthal, who was uh, with the Friends of Israel Ministry, and, and it, 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 I don't agree with everything that, that they stand for. They're basically uh, new evangelicals for the most part in their stance, but they are dispensational and pre-trib in their theological position. Well, you recall in some of your preachers about 20 years ago how Marv Rosenthal, one of their uh, uppity-ups, vice president or whatever, announced that rather he had moved to a mid-trib, uh, mid-trib rapture uh, position or the pre-wrath position. How many remember that? Yeah, many of you do. And he's kind of faded off into obscurity. Um, and that thought has, has been promulgated. But folks... If Jesus is coming back in the middle of the tribulation, that means all the first half of the tribulation has to take place before the rapture can take place. But as we're going to see here momentarily, the the return of Christ is imminent. Half the tribulation doesn't have to happen, or all the tribulation doesn't have to happen. His return is imminent. It's impending. It can be at any time. Now, needless to say, there are those who have taken some strange positions in, in, in over the years that Jehovah Witnesses taught that Jesus was coming back in 1917. He didn't. And then they said, well, he came back invisibly. Uh, really, they, they, they taught that, and they adjusted their dates. And uh, uh, there was a guy back in 1988, and I really don't know how he came up with this, but uh, he announced to the world in 1988 that Jesus Christ was returning on the eighth day of the eighth month of the 88th year. And he had all his followers uh, assemble with him there on a mountain, somewhere in the Ozark Mountains in, in, in either southern Missouri or Arkansas, whatever, and, uh, of course, the eighth day of the, uh, the eighth month of the 88th year came and passed, and Jesus didn't come back. And Jesus said, no man knoweth the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. How foolish. How foolish. The guy out there in San Francisco, his name slips me, on Family Radio Network. Uh, on, yeah, Harold Camping, right. Uh, who just several years ago said that Jesus was coming back in, in uh, the, the spring of that year, as he set a date, whatever it was. And, of course, he didn't. How foolish. And you would think a, a, a Bible teacher would have the sense to know that Jesus said, no man knoweth the day nor the hour. We don't know when he's returning. We know, A, he is coming. As we're going to see, he's coming quickly. He's coming suddenly. His, his return is imminent. And if his return is imminent, therefore the rapture must be imminent. Isn't that simple? I mean, that's not rocket science. 
But it's, it's very clear in the word of God. Matthew 24, verse 42. Jesus said, watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. Therefore, be ye also, what's the word? Ready. Be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. In such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. Be ready. That clearly bespeaks a, the imminent return of Jesus Christ. Impending. We don't have to wait for three and a half years of the tribulation to go by. Don't have to wait for the six uh, seal judgments and, and, and maybe halfway into the, 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 the trumpet judgments. He said, in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. First Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 7, so that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of the Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Waiting. Now, why in the world should we be waiting if, if, if X, Y, and Z has to take place first? His return is imminent. It's impending. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9. Uh, For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you, how that ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven. To wait for his Son from heaven. Wow. We're instructed to be waiting. We're instructed to be ready. We're instructed to be watching. Jesus might show up this afternoon. Jesus might come tomorrow. I don't know when. But the Bible says to wait and to watch and to be ready. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13. Looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says we're to be looking. Looking. Scripture says he cometh with clouds. I realize that's in the context of his, when he returns in, in, in power and great glory. But in the rapture, he's coming in the clouds also. We ought to be looking. Looking. Looking in the clouds, Jesus, are you about to return? We are boaters on Lake Superior, and uh, my wife and I enjoy that. We go out almost every week. Uh, we, we keep our boat in, in uh, Bayfield, Wisconsin. And uh, in fact, I have a T-shirt at home. It's got a, the outline of Lake Superior on it. My wife gave it to me. I don't think I'd buy something like this. Uh, but, but there's an outline of Lake Superior on it, and across the, 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 the picture of Lake Superior says the lake is the boss. And that's the truth. I mean, it, the lake will dictate very carefully if you're going to be out there or you're not going to be out there. It's the largest freshwater body in the world. It's, it's an inland ocean, inland sea. Well, a couple of weeks ago, on a, on a Friday, we, we were there, and it was windy and, and rough and, and choppy and and uh, our, our philosophy of boating is, uh, if it ain't pleasant, we don't, uh, we're, we're into pleasure boating. If it ain't pleasant, we don't go. And that's the truth. I mean, we're, if it's rough, we well respect Lake Superior, and we don't go. Well, by evening time, it had calmed down, and by sunset time, 
it had gone to flat glass water. I'm reminded of there in Revelation, I talked about a sea of glass. And we went out that evening for a sunset cruise. Cruised for about an hour and then came back. And off to the south, we, we, we cruise in the Apostle Islands. There are 22 islands there. They're a national park. And in the summer, when, when the weather's good, it, it's paradise north out there. And to the south, if, if you're familiar with some of the geography up there, is the city of Ashland down at the southern end of Shaquamigan Bay. And we could see, and that's probably was 25 miles from where we were, but we could see a, a major thunderhead. And down at the, on the horizon there, it was dark and black, and, and, and obviously they were getting a, a powerful rain a thunderstorm there. The sun had set behind the hills to the west there on the, on the mainland. But the sun was still striking that thunderhead in the distance, illuminating the thunderhead. What a spectacular view. The, and I, we had friends along with us who were not, not Christians. There are slipmates there. And, and I said to him, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament his handiwork. And that's all I could think of. But then the thought occurred to me, you know, maybe Jesus is about to come in those clouds. And the Bible says, looking, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. James chapter 5 and verse 8 says, Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, uh, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Nigh is Old English, which means near. And I would submit to you if it was near in James' day, it's even nearer today. Grudge not one another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. The judge is about to come through the door. The proceedings are about to begin. The day of the Lord is about to begin. The judge standeth before the door. You say, oh, 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 Brother Sorensen, that was, was penned almost 2,000 years ago. Yes, but don't forget... Uh, the Bible says the day with the Lord is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day. It doesn't say a thousand years with the Lord is one day, but it says as one day. And on God's calendar and on God's clock, 2,000 years is as nothing. The judge standeth before the door. And that clearly bespeaks to me that the return of Christ is imminent. And if his return is imminent, therefore the rapture is imminent. And I've, I've discussed and, 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 and uh, argued and debated with some of the folks that I've mentioned to you about when the rapture will take place. And, and I've gotten myself bogged down and, well, you know, don't you understand that uh, that, that there's a gap between the 69th and 70th week of, of, of Daniel, and that's the, the church age, and the church is going to be taken out, which is true. But someone who's basically amillennial in their theology, that doesn't exactly strike a, a resonating note. And that the church is distinct from Israel, and of course, most of those people believe that the church and Israel are one and the same, and the church is just the ongoing of Israel. But I, I think the most powerful argument that I have come across 
in the Word of God is simply that the return of Jesus Christ is imminent. It's impending. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 28. And now little children abide in him that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed at him, ashamed before him at his coming. Wow. In other words, we need to be living our lives with the fact that Jesus may be back at any time. And then notice First uh, John 3, uh, 2 and 3. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And I believe one of the major problems in the church today is that we really don't believe that Jesus is about to return. And John here, as the Holy Spirit so spoke through him, said, Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. I've told our people on on numbers of occasions when I've I've mentioned this, or preached on this this broader thought, that if I could, and, and I can't, but if I could stand before you and tell you that Jesus is coming back next Thursday at, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I could with some authority and, and credibly establish that, folks, we'd live differently for the next several days, would we not? Every man that hath his hope in him purifieth himself. And the reason, or one reason, there is such carnality and sin uh, in churches and Christians today is there's no realization that Jesus is about to walk through the door. That he's about to appear in the clouds. He that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And then once again, where we started today, Revelation 22 and verse 7, Behold, I come quickly. Then in verse 20, surely I come quickly. And John said, Amen, even so come, Lord Jesus. I pray that every day. In my, my morning prayer time with the Lord, even so, Lord Jesus, come. Is, are you coming today? But again, that word quickly is not when he is coming, it's how he is coming. Quickly, suddenly, in the twinkling of an eye. As the lightning flashes across the sky, our Lord will return. I don't know when, but I believe it's imminent. And I think the scriptural evidence is is compelling and overwhelming that our Lord's return is imminent. And if his return is imminent, therefore the rapture is imminent. And therefore, we can only come to the conclusion that there is a pre-tribulation rapture. C.I. Schofield, notwithstanding. John Darby, notwithstanding. That's the clear evidence of Scripture. Jesus is coming again. And all God's people said... Thanks for listening to the Baptist Pulpit. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. 
for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. We pray that through the challenging preaching of the Word of God today, that you will be encouraged to stay faithful in preaching the Word and hearing the Word. Lester Roloff many years ago said, the world's greatest need is preaching preachers. Let's pray that in this day and this hour, we will stay faithful to the preaching of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening to The Baptist Pulpit.